Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. I am your host, Ryan McGuire. This is a podcast I created to help all of us on this journey we call life. There's a lot that life throws our way, whether good or bad, and there are so many things we just don't understand. So I sit down with people from all over the world with different backgrounds, different talents, different knowledge, and great advice to help all of us understand life just a little better and apply these tools to our lives to help make us better and happier people. And in this episode, I got to sit down with country rock star and rising star in the music world, Jessica Lynn. I know we've all listened to music and wondered, where did they get these lyrics from? How did they write this song? How did they put it to music? Music is obviously such an important part in all of our lives. So I took the opportunity to sit down with Jessica Lynn and ask her all of these questions. And as you're about to find out, there's no wonder why she's been called the next Shania Twain. As creative as I am, I would have no clue on where to start with creating a song, let alone an album. But she goes into detail of the process she uses to create her music. And I will say, I loved lifting up the curtain and going behind the scenes in how music is created. Not only that, you'll get to know Jessica Lynn a little more personally behind the lyrics. This was such a great interview. With that said, I think it's time to get this interview started. Here's Jessica Lynn. So how are you today? I'm good, thank you. I'm busy, but I love being busy. How are you? <laughs> yeah, that's a good problem. I'm doing very well. Um, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join me. Where um, Where are you calling in from? I'm in New York, um, about an hour north of New York City. Whereabouts? In Westchester County. Westchester County. Okay, because I'm from upstate New York too. So oh, I'm, really? yeah. I'm an upstate New Yorker, uh, born in Utica and moved when I was about eight years old to the Binghamton area. If you know where that um, is. Yes. I've done a lot of radio tours up there. Really? Yep. So that I'm very is, familiar. That is awesome. What about Buffalo area? Cause I, I went to school in, at Buffalo. I haven't been up there yet, but I hope to. Yes. You gotta, you gotta go. But like I said, thank you so much. Um, you have a super busy day. I think you're doing a, a did I see you're doing like a piano thing live right after this? Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, so we'll get rolling here. Um, Great. But yeah, so let's go before we get to the heart of the matter, which I cannot wait for to hear about how you create music, your creative process. Let's talk about you. So where were you born and raised um, and how did you get into music? Uh, so I was born in Brooklyn, New York, which again is not the the most country place <laughs> in the I world. I was wondering that. I was wondering. <laughs> um, but I grew up here, um, an hour north of New York City, and I both of my parents were musicians and are musicians. So I just grew up with it on in the house always, and there was it was just always what I did. There was never like, oh, I'm going to become a musician. I just always was a musician. Yeah. And did you take lessons or did they kind of teach you? I did. I was classically trained on the piano when I was a kid. And then when I got more into playing like rock and roll and I wanted to start a band, I uh, taught myself guitar. My dad showed me my first few chords, which were um, Surfer Girl by the Beach Boys. Oh, nice. Um, one of my favorite bands. 
And then I just took it and ran from there. And then from there, I taught myself bass guitar um, and drums. Wow. So you've been musically inclined your whole life. Yes, it was just, it was a, a natural instinct, really. It's, it's hard to describe. So for people who don't know, I've done some research on you before, obviously, before having a conversation. You've been compared to Shania Twain. What are your thoughts on that? I was a huge Shania Twain fan growing up because as a singer-songwriter from New York that did like country music, even mm-hmm. though I was playing rock and roll as I was growing up, she really showed me, a lot of people credit Taylor Swift with this, which she definitely did help a lot. And I'm a Taylor Swift fan, but mm-hmm. Shania Twain was really the first one to kind of come out swinging in country music and adding different genres and kind of being limitless. And that was a very big inspiration for me because as someone that liked country music, but lived in New York and was like, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, how would I ever do this? She showed me like, no, it's okay. You can do your own thing and still be accepted. So was she your biggest influence growing up? She wasn't. I would say in country music she was, but um, my biggest influences were actually Neil Diamond mm. um, and Richard Marks. And okay. So what was the last thing you said? I think you got caught up. What, what, what was the last one? And the Beach Boys. Beach Boys. Okay. Yeah, you mentioned them. Yeah, I saw your cover on Richard Marks on YouTube. It. He was my first concert when I was five years old, oh, and God. I got to perform with him this past year, and that was. Talk about a full circle moment um, for me. It was very emotional um, mm. thinking about being that little girl and watching him be like, oh, I wish I could be like Richard Barks one day. And then to be standing there with him, playing with him, it was probably one of the coolest experiences of my life. That's great. Because the saying goes, but like, don't ever meet your idols because they just don't live up to it. But it sounds I- like he, he lived up to what you thought. He did. And I've been very lucky. Three of my my bucket list people to perform with in my life would be Neil Diamond, Richard Marks, and um, Phil Vassar, who was okay. another one of my biggest country music influences. And I've so far gotten to play with Richard Marks and Phil Vassar. So we're just waiting on Neil Diamond. <laughs> we got one more. I know. We got to get to just touring. We, we got to get to touring first. Let's get rid of COVID. So I know. And do this. And then we can start knocking off the bucket list. Yeah. Here's a here's a random question that I've always been curious. When did you know you could sing and how did you hone those skills? That's such a great question. Nobody ever asked me that before. Um I think I knew I could sing when I was very supported by my parents if that makes sense. Um when I was a kid, I mean, I am not, I, I do not know how they did not give me away to another family because I would make my parents, <laughs> my poor parents sit there. I mean, we have hours and hours and hours of videotapes of me putting on shows every day as a kid, like a la- I'd make my little sister stand and like hold a flashlight as my spotlight. <laughs> oh my gosh. So you were made to do this. That's great. Oh my gosh. I, it was just always what I, what I did. I would make sets, like use my toys as like a kid. Like I did Beauty and the Beast one time, like I was singing the song for Beauty and the Beast. And I remember I made my sister, I made like a little curtain in the back with some sheets and I made her like hang my little toy birds (laughs) over it. Like (laughs) That is awesome. It's those tapes. I feel like one day my family will heavily blackmail me with. (laughs) (laughs) Release them on Instagram. We got to see. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then there was a, another moment um, in the second grade, I got cast as Dorothy in my school play of Wizard of Oz. Okay. And the end of the play ends with me singing Somewhere of the Rainbow. Mm. And I remember this. It's really a crazy thing. I remember it so vividly. I still smell like the smell of the gym, gymnasium at my school. Mm-hmm. And even recently, I mean, over the years, it's funny when I have a very important moment coming or I'm backstage at a huge concert, like when I sung like the national anthem at Madison Square Garden, I I still smell that smell. It's like so ingrained in my mind that this was such a big part of my life that I still am there in in a way. And I remember I sang the song and I got like a three minute standing ovation. And that was a moment for my life that I was like, okay, like maybe there's something here. That's amazing. Is that on video? Do you have that as well? It is. It's on yeah, video. So you got to release that. <laughs> <I know. laughs> that is awesome. So I can't sing for squat. Um, at least I don't think I can. Can any, does anybody have the ability to sing or are you kind of born with it and you have to kind of hone it in? I think you can learn to sing, but I think you're born with also certain skills that you can't teach. Like, I think you can learn pitch to an extent, Mm -hmm. but there's a difference between learning pitch, like maybe identifying pitch and someone that can just do pitches or, you know, like or have can sing them naturally. I think there's a certain instinct that you can't teach, but I think the fundamentals of music can certainly be taught. Okay. I've always wondered that. Like, do I have the ability to sing and I just haven't untapped it yet? Or if I just have zero ability at all? (laughs) I also think there's something, um, how do I put this? There's, you can learn to sing. So say someone can learn to sing these notes, ah, but someone with that natural instinct that can't be taught maybe mm-hmm. wouldn't sing it ah they would sing it ah and make it sound in a way that's just instinctual and at another level than mm-hmm. just knowing the fundamentals if that makes sense gotcha. no it does make sense kind of separates the contenders from the pretenders exactly yeah oh that's okay that's cool i've always wondered that and i figured i should ask you that's and, my philosophy, by the way. I'm not claiming it to be the truth. That's just what I believe. <laughs> well, considering what you do and how you do it, I'll take that as the truth. Okay. <laughs> and so the thing I cannot wait to get to is I found you because you are not just a musician, like a rising star. You also are a lyricist. You create music. I am I'm a, I'm a graphic artist. I, I'm creative by nature. I design stuff. I see stuff in my head and I put it on paper and I don't, I wouldn't even know where to start creating a song. What is the process behind creating a song, let alone an album? Like it, I feel like it took me a year to create a song. So let's go over from like start to finish. How you go about creating music? So in all honesty, my process is to have no process. I think that when I am so structured, I do not do a very good job because I believe that music should come from your heart and your soul and not from your head. And when you think so much about a process or about what needs to be there, I think you often lose sight of what's most important, which is why I'm extremely proud of my record that I have coming out later this year. Um, 
I sat and I wrote, not thinking about genre, not thinking about structure, not thinking about any of those traditional things like, oh, this needs to sound this amount of country to be played on the radio because you block so many good Mm -hmm. things that could come out of you by being so structured. Um, With that being said, all songs do have somewhat of a traditional structure in that you have an intro, you have a verse that then leads to a pre-chorus or a bridge, people call it, um, that then leads to a chorus, um, usually put the solo about three quarters of the way through. Uh, so there is a traditional structure to follow that people definitely deviate from, which is what makes music and creati- creativity so great. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, what works the most is to just feel. Okay. And maybe it's different every time, but would you say the music comes first or the lyrics come first? I write both at the same time. Okay. Um, When I write, I hear everything completed in my head. And I hear the drums, I hear the strings. I, and it's, it's a gift and a curse because and on to be honest with you, that's why I learned so many instruments so mm. that I could show people what I was hearing in my head. Um, because it could be very frustrating for me hearing this thing that I couldn't tell you to do as you were playing with me. Um, so I figured if I had a good understanding of all the pieces of the band that then I could easily show somebody. Now, if I hear this certain weird drum beat in my head or sound, I get behind the kit and I say, oh, this is what I'm what I'm looking for. Does your brain work differently? Do you, do you think? Mean? Like, I don't know. I feel like if you were like a brain scan, like your brain would literally show you are <laughs> musically gifted. Cause Maybe. <laughs> to hear a song before you even create it, I wasn't expecting that. I thought maybe you would hear like, you'd play like something on the guitar and be like, okay, I could put words to this. Like I was not expecting you to hear a full song and work backwards. It's never happened that way for me. It's always literally can't like I'll sit down and just play something. And if I feel that spark, it stays or I'll be, I mean, I've written song. I find the most inspiration in, in daily things. So like I've written songs literally running at the gym and the woman next to me is talking to her friend on the phone and says a phrase that it just, my husband describes it like a light switch goes off and he mm. just knows to leave me alone. And that happens because the process has started and I just hear it. Um, and it could be as little as a single phrase that I heard someone walking next to me say that just it, the ball just rolls and it rolls very fast. Do you pull out like a notepad or your phone and kind of mark down what she said? I do. I have these notebooks um, that I've been filling since I was a kid. And it's so funny because when I signed my first big deal in Nashville, a publishing deal, I show up like all cute and like newbie with my little notebook and they all have their MacBook. Bro. <laughs> 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 it's just like, I felt like a little kid going to school with like my little backpack. Like I'm ready guys. That's um, awesome. For, for me, there's something special about actually the process of putting your hand and your handwriting on the paper mm-hmm. and thing. And of course, if I'm out or about whatever, I just type it in my phone and I use the voice recorder on my phone for most of my ideas. Okay. But I also love when you write it down, mm-hmm. when you're doing stuff on a computer, you delete and you, oh, I don't like this. I'm going to get rid of this. When it's there, it's there forever. And it's mm-hmm. really cool to look back at some of my songs and be like, look at the little scratch out like, oh, that line almost was 
this. Yeah. Yeah. The first version, like I said, I'm a graphic artist. I save everything as V2, V3, V4, V5. (laughs) (laughs) I'm familiar of the process. Um, how many times would you say you like make edits like that before you come out with the final version? Is it just one or two, or is it like a big group of edits? It's always different, um, for me. And it's funny. My biggest edits usually come. I have a golden rule when I songwrite. If I cannot the next day with no reference, not listening, not looking at any piece of paper, sing the song back the next day and play it, then I throw it out. Because if I can't remember this hit song, it's not a hit and Mm. nobody else is going to remember it. If the the songwriter can't even remember it. So, or if I remember a bunch, except say when I get to the bridge, I blank on it. I'll rewrite, I'll go in and I'll rewrite that one portion. This is fascinating. I love (laughs) learning how you do this. Do you, are you close to anyone who does things differently than you? Um, I wouldn't say I actually write a lot alone. I would say 99% of my music that you hear, I've written all of the music, music and all of the lyrics for. Hmm. Um, but it is interesting when I do do co-writes like in Nashville or overseas in Europe, sometimes I do them too. Their process kind of rubs off on you. And it's amazing because it makes you think of things and do things that you never, ever would have thought of in a million Mm. years, which is what I find fascinating. Like, oh, you would put that line there? Like, oh, okay, like I can get behind this. And it's just a totally, and that's what makes it so special is all these different ideas and processes coming together to make something new. Was there one instance that you're thinking of right now that kind of blew your mind? Like, I never thought of that. Um, I did a session one time in Nashville with a writer. And it's funny because this song never wound up being anything. But he told me to think, and I still think of this to this day, and that was, I think, 2015. He told me, when you look at your lyrics and you look at each part of the song, to, if it doesn't tell a story, you have to rewrite. So, for example, your verse should be, sum it up into one sentence. Your chorus, sum it up into one sentence. Your second verse, one sentence. And if you can't read through and be like, oh, that's a good story, mm-hmm. then you're not cohesive in your thoughts and you should rewrite. Mm. And it really is. It, it's so, so true. Um, mm. I can't think of an example off the top of my head. But uh, for example, um, my uh, my song Run To, the first verse. And I, I do this every time I write now. It, looked, it was saying, if I looked at all the lyrics, the main point was that I... I think about you all the time and I I just can't get over you. And then when you get to the chorus, it's summed up as I want to run to anything that makes me feel you or anything about you. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, when you look back, you're like, that makes total sense. Here are your inner thoughts. And then you're talking to the person and getting them out loud. So I, I also, that's one of my golden rules. Mm. I listened to that song last night, actually. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you're married. Where do you, now that you're married, I'm, I'm assuming you're happily married. Where do you get that inspiration from to write a song like that? Like your Christmas song ever is just not Christmas. Um, is it hard to go in a place like that? That's more of a negative mindset about sadness? Um, not really, because I feel like I've experienced so much in my life and 
I'm also an extreme, um, what's the word? An em empath? Empath, yeah. Um, I feel very deeply for other people and I often take on a lot of emotions from other people. Um, and I find that that greatly impacts my writing. Um, I think about people that I know or things that personal friends or family are going through, or I think about things I've been through in my own life pre getting married, um, or things during, you know, being married or it's just not Christmas. It's funny. A lot of people think it's a, a love song, but it's actually written for my little sister. Mm. Um, so but I think that's also the wonderful thing about music that people can always put their own story and their own special meaning onto one thing, which For is sure. amazing. Does your husband ever think like, is that about me? <laughs> Does he ever <laughs> ask you questions like, is this about me? Yeah. <laughs> I have, it's funny. I have a, he's actually my lead guitarist. So, um, we, uh, we every we used to do this uh well we still do this song not your woman and we were on tour with Jody Messina I don't mm -hmm. know if you know who that is but I do um we did we opened acoustic for her at every show so it was just me and acoustic guitar him playing guitar and I had a background singer and bass guitars and the song is about a cheating guy and because normally it's this big kind of rowdy like rock and roll song so you pay attention to the words it's not that much but it's just me with an acoustic you really hear what I'm saying and it became such a funny joke the entire tour you'd see people in the audience looking at him like what did you do <laughs> and <laughs> so we added it into like our shtick where he would look at everyone and be like it's not about me <laughs> and, <laughs> and everybody would crack up on every tape we have from that tour you the audience would just erupt in laughter at that point that's funny i've wondered that too about because people go deep and get vulnerable with lyrics it's like i wonder what their boyfriends or wives think about that <laughs> like listen steve you want a good life and a hit song just suck it up and play it <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll keep rolling here. I know I got you only for, for another moment. And I, a question I had as well, um, being a, a Spotify member and a Spotify fan, how does the streaming portion work? Like, what do you do? How do you get things up on Spotify um, as far as like your published songs? So um, if I was to give advice to any up and coming artists or anybody that wants to get their music out, there's a bunch of different ways to do it at various levels. Um, so I would say, um, not the layman's way, but the most accessible, easily accessible and user-friendly platform, which is the one I currently use. I don't know if I'll use it forever because you don't have the one-on-one -on -one personalization with somebody at a company type of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, they do have good tech support though, but it's called TuneCore. So if you go to tunecore.com, you pretty much can upload your, upload your release, choose your release date, um, add your artwork, select which stores you would like it to go to, Spotify, Pandora, iTunes. You could do pre-orders or pre-sales. Um, and it's not expensive. Um, I, I forgot what I just paid. I think it's like about $40 a single for the year or so, I, I think. Um, and it's the the best way to get your music out and get it to every store and get everybody to hear it. And how does Spotify, I'm just using Spotify as a general, you know, Apple and all that kind of stuff. How do they pay? They pay like via royalties, how many times the song was clicked or how, how does that work? Yeah. You can make like a whopping like 0.3 cents from like a million streams. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, living large. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's there. The I'm sure you've seen the articles over the years mm-hmm. um, that as great as the all these digital services are, like Spotify, that makes your music so easily accessible to people. Mm-hmm. The streaming royalties are just so small and that's something that artists are really struggling with right now because Mm -hmm. the only way we can continue is digitally and I know there's been some talk about people trying to rework that or whatever but I mean it's it's really ridiculous you think about all the hours you put in a studio all the money you put into recording all the money you put to release it and PR and this and that and don't even pay attention to the 20 years you spent learning your instrument and learning how to sing and write to make like one cent it's um it's really crazy that's terrible and from what I hear like the artists make all their money on stage right is when they tour yes um we lost a 13 country close to a hundred date tour this year. Um, it was very difficult financially trying to figure out how to continue going without that, that income, but you know, you always find a way and, um, blessings come across your path and everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I know you said you have a new album coming out. Hopefully this downtime has actually helped with the creativity for the new album to come out and then you can it, had, it. it wasn't even supposed to be an album honestly mm. it was supposed to be a six song ep that got released right before we left for the world tour in may mm. and when everything got canceled we're like you know what let's find the silver lining and let's we're home let's finish it let's add to it and make it a, a full-length record great and um so I'm, I'm very very excited for people to hear it how do you make cuts of your own music that don't make the album is that hard um, for me, no, I am very level-headed and I love honesty. I don't know if it's like the New York Italian, like blunt person in me. <laughs> I'm a New York Italian. Uh, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I don't want to be sugar coated. Like mm-hmm. if I bring it to the band or whatever, like I tell them, is it good? Like, do you like it? No. Mm-hmm. And I think I have a pretty good compass within myself of this song is worthwhile or mm. or not okay and i assume you have final say like i forget what you guys say this song's sticking yes <laughs> i do but the, the band they've been with me since 2012 mm. so they are family and yeah. um i value their opinion immensely everybody is so even though i'm a solo artist they p- play a very big part in everything that i do um we've been together nine years um so it's um they they do have a lot of say in what goes on but they also respect that i am the songwriter and the artist and i do have a vision and they do an incredible job of helping me accomplish that that's awesome um knowing that we have just a few minutes left um when is your new album coming out so we don't have a date for it yet because we have a lot of exciting stuff happening this year um that hopefully we think we can release it in a bigger way okay it right now we i wanted to do something special for it especially for the people that wanted it before we were supposed to go on tour in may right yeah so um we put it up for pre-order on my website so um if you go to jessicalinmusic.org in the store you can see it we have it up for a little bit more so it's 20 dollars. um but it's 13 songs and um you will every single copy comes signed and that's going to get shipped out by the end of next month. And you will be the only people to have it 
indefinitely for now. Ah, uh, cool. Okay. So you've mentioned your website. That's uh, probably your Instagram and YouTube. Where can people find you? Uh, if you just search Jessica in music on everything, look for the blue check mark. Um, if I'm asking you for Bitcoin or um, to be my boyfriend, it's probably not me. <laughs> <laughs> She's taking guys, but the Bitcoin, I don't know. Maybe you could get some Bitcoin. It's doing pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> just in and, and I'm on all this on Spotify and Pandora and all that stuff. And the new single getaway car comes out January 29th. January 12th. Wow. Okay. So that's just over a week. That's exciting. Oh so man. Excited. That's gotta be, oh, it's so exciting to release new music. I'm very excited. Do you have one moment for a couple rapid fire questions? Yeah, go ahead. Awesome. All right. So who do you want to see live the most? And I feel like you might've already answered that. But maybe not. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so hard. Dead or living or just living? Living. Um, I would love to see Mika. Mika. Uh, I discovered him on tour in France okay. um, in the car on the radio, and he is an incredible singer-songwriter. Okay. So we have Mika. Um, who are you currently listening to? John Mayer. A lot. What is your favorite song of all time? Uh, probably my, uh, my Eyes Adore You, Frankie Valli. What is your favorite song of all time, like of, of one that you've created? The Morning Always Comes off the new record. Favorite city to have performed in? I have to say New York. Okay, oh, that makes sense. Um, have you ever messed up on stage while performing? All the time. You should probably ask, have you ever not messed up on stage? Is it noticeable or only you would know it? Um, Usually it's not noticeable. Um, I am an extreme perfectionist and I notice it, um, which has been one of the most terrifying pieces of doing live streams. Because when you're live, people are talking, they're singing, you hear a little, you make a little clunky chord, you look over like, oh, is that you? Like, no one really (laughs) But with live streams, I mean, I was shaking. I've performed all over the world in front of like 100,000 people at a time and mm. sitting here alone with my camera on in the dead silence of mm. my room was the scariest thing I've like ever done. And it's just you, you make a bad chord, like it's loud, it's there, there's no hiding it. Um, yeah. wow. So yes, I do everyone, it, no one is perfect. Last question before I let you go. Do you remember, and I'm sure the answer is yes, where were you when you first heard a song of yours on the radio? I was in my car. Um, I There's a great radio station here called Kicks 105, and they have been with me from the beginning. Uh, we still do stuff together. They believed in me when I had 100 followers. Now I have close to a million. So mm-hmm. they are like very special to me. We do everything together that we can. Um, and they were the first ones to play my single that wasn't even really a single. Like I didn't even know back then what putting out a single was. I just kind of like released it. (laughs) And I remember they said, we're going to play it tomorrow at 8 a.m. So I got up, I was sitting in the car like to hear it. And that's um, so cool. And I'll never forget that. That's amazing. So just, just remember, I am the podcast host that had you on when you had a million followers. So when you have 10 million followers. Remember who I am. <laughs> now, once you're part of the Jessica Lynn family, we call it. You never leave. I'm in. And you're in upstate New York. So I love it. You're my people and you're Italian. <laughs> so 
But hey, Jessica Lynn, I thank you, thank you, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this. This was eye-opening. I love it. I whenever you get a moment, I would love to have you back and we can talk even more. You've been you've been truly wonderful. So oh, I would love that. I had such a good time that your questions are so insightful. You got me thinking about a lot of stuff, which is cool. That's fantastic. Yeah, that that's all like I'm I have a truly curious mind. I really wanted to know this. And like I said, I ran into your Instagram and your music and your website a while back. And I was like, I would love to reach out. So first of all, thank you for responding. And second of all, thank you for being on this. So my pleasure. It's been a blast. Oh, same here. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So people, you can find me on the pursuit of happiness podcast on Instagram and go find Jessica Lynn's music and January 29th, right? Is your next single? Yep. Getaway car. That's exciting. I'm going to January 29th. I'll be uh click and listen to that. So thank you so much again. My pleasure. So nice to meet you. You too. Have a great day. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the pursuit of happiness. And thank you so much to Jessica Lynn. If you've enjoyed this interview or other episodes, I ask that you please just take a moment and leave a rating. I'd love to bring all these amazing conversations to more people and the more ratings I get, the easier that is. So once again, thank you so much for listening.